the Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubale Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. Happy Aloha Friday! Woo! And just how we like to start Aloha Friday there. Sorry, Paul, I kind of threw you off to jump on the show because as people, maybe they have seen in our videos, we do have a, it really does feel like a den in here because we have a big window that looks out onto the main street here in Kalihi. And um, let's just say there look like to be some, a couple of animated young men outside and I wasn't sure if uh, they were a little sus or not, so I had to go check it out. <laughs> I was just a little jealous that I couldn't get up and go see. That was all. I, I was perfectly ready to keep that music going until you were ready to greet the beautiful people on Into the Den this morning. So here we go on this Aloha Friday. All right. Rocking and a rolling here. I hope you guys are getting geared up for the weekend. Oh, Christmas is just creeping that much closer away hopefully i can start some shopping this weekend but we will Ugh. see i know exactly all right lots to get into today as i mentioned on our uh, uh social media channels we're gonna get into all the gloriness that is going on with nasad the new aloha stadium entertainment district as there was a news conference yesterday to address and update the public on what exactly is going on the I guess the biggest part is that they are projecting, still projecting and saying that they are on track to have the stadium open by the first football game in 2028 against Kansas. So that specifically is August 26th, 2028 is what they will are essentially guaranteeing. Hopefully it's not a Charles Barkley type of guarantee, guaranteeing that it will be open by that football opener. So we will play for you a good portion of the news conference that happened yesterday. Also coming up on the show, we'll get you caught up with a couple of new football commits and the drama and the I don't know emotional roller coaster that is University of Hawaii football. Now that we are trickling closer as well to the early signing period, which is next week, Wednesday, probably one of the ones that we can tell you about right away. The newest verbal commit to come in is Albin Puefua, 6'4", 320-pound defensive slash offensive tackle. Obviously, in high school, they play both sides oh, out of West High School, Utah. So a big boy coming in to shore up either the offensive or defensive lines. Looking forward to him. Paul's been scouring the Twitter verse or the X verse all last night and is waiting for another verbal commit to come in as well. And then I don't know what to take out of this whole QB1 situation. I told you guys a little bit about yes about it yesterday where you had the former a verbal commit that was Devon Rice out of Bishop Gorman running back slash athlete has he announced his 100% commitment to Kansas State and then I kind of told you guys a little bit about the cryptic changes and tweets that came from Bishop Gorman quarterback Micah Alejado another verbal commit to the University of Hawaii and everything that went on with that however it seems like he could possibly be changing his mind again and so can our former I can't believe I'm even saying this right now. 
it's crazy, you guys. If you guys are on this scene and have been on Twitter as much as we have, you understand. But for all of our wonderful listeners that do not waste any of their time on social media, <laughs> let's just put it that way. Um, we'll get you caught, caught up with it. But first, want you guys all to hear from Brennan Morioka, the Aloha Stadium Authority chair and also current UH president David Lassner at yesterday's news conference. And uh, basically, Brennan starts with just the process that they had gone through before and how they've learned things from their previous process and now how it's changed. But he gets you updated, including if you haven't seen our social media, why they are not currently tearing down the stadium because I know that's been a big hot topic with everybody. So without further ado, here it is. The market sounding process did uh, identify a number of interested potential bidders, so we're extremely excited about that potential and working with them, including some very world-class teams. Uh, We did identify uh, a number of variety of issues that we had to work through, and we did so with many of the stakeholders, uh, which we believe resulted in a much more improved procurement process, and and I think uh, we're going to see a much better product at the end of the day. Uh, The financial analysis that we performed uh, does indicate in the long term a very vibrant and viable project um, that we believe will provide uh, financial windfalls for not just those who participate in the development, but also for the state and the city municipality as well in terms of general excise tax increases as well as property tax increases in the area. uh, or re- ta- property tax revenues that are going to come that don't currently exist. In the short term, though, uh, as, as the district is built out, we do acknowledge that there are some financial challenges that a developer or partner will have to uh, buy into and overcome. That's why we are very much looking at having a partner who uh, and a developer that is in it for the long term and for the development of the community. So that is, that's the kind of partner that we're looking for. Some of the details of the RFP, and you will be provided with the RFP RFP itself um, as a part of your media package, uh, but we are looking at one integrated public-private partnership uh, with a single entity engaged as the master developer for the entire 100 acres of the Aloha um, Stadium District. The new Aloha Stadium itself will be a minimum of 25,000 seats with premium suites, lounges, and loge boxes. Um, it is meant to accommodate a variety of sporting events, including not just football, but also uh, world-class soccer and rugby, as well as concerts and other kinds of entertainment venues. Uh, we will be utilizing the current $400 million appropriation, uh, and long-term funding and cost overruns will be borne by the private sector, thus reducing risks for the state. The master developer has also the obligation to develop the surrounding district into a mixed-use development uh, in line with both the state's and the city's vision in terms of uh, what the zoning should look like. And we do appreciate the city's actions uh, recently in passing third reading two of their bills for the the Halava TOD uh, zoning for the area, which does give some level of, of stability and understanding for the developers on what they will be obligated to be uh, trying to develop in the area. Um, The deadline for the qualifications uh, is going to be February 2024. 
The priority listed offers will be selected in April of 2024, and the proposals, initial set of proposals, will be due in the summer of 2024 with a selected preferred offerer uh, in the fall of 2024, at which point we will then start uh, further negotiations with that preferred offerer, uh, all with the intent of executing a contract by the summer of 2025. So right now we are still on target uh, for the goal of having kickoff in the new Aloha Stadium uh, for the football season of 2028. So with that, uh, I appreciate everybody's uh, attendance here and we look forward to a very fantastic project. So Aloha. Mahalo Chair Morioka. Moving forward, as we are today, I would like to introduce University of Hawaii President David Lassner. Um, good morning. Um, I want to be uh, clear as I'm cheerleading for this project that the University of Hawaii fully embraces this P3 approach to identify a master developer who will design, build, operate, and maintain the new Aloha Stadium at Halava. We've had an excellent relationship with the Stadium Authority over these past years, uh, but the very public problems with the old Aloha Stadium have been a challenge for all of us and uh, presented UH in particular with some unanticipated financial challenges when we had to move to um, uh, our rather charming temporary facility at the Clarence T. C. Ching uh, field on campus. Uh, the new Aloha Stadium will provide our Rainbow Warriors with the kind of modern venue that will enable Hawaii, uh, Hawaii's team to play at the FBS level competitively for years to come and attract the kind of talent that will honor our state and delight our fans. The new stadium will also allow the kind of financial return from our home games uh, that can support all of our non-revenue sports, which include uh, pretty much all of our women's sports and uh, most of the rest of our men's sports. So for me, um, I guess I will, not I guess, I will not be the president in 2028, um, but I can't wait to see Coach Timmy Chang and the Brotherhood take on Kansas at the new Aloha Stadium on August 26, 2028. Go Team NASA and go Bows! And that was University of Hawaii President David Lassner. And before him was Aloha Stadium Authority Chair Brennan Morioka. As you are listening to yesterday's news conference regarding the new Aloha Stadium Entertainment District. At this time, we will take questions, and our first two will be coming from Bryce and then followed by Daryl. Um, you mentioned a minimum of 25,000 seats. Do we, does that mean we don't know how big the stadium will be in the Right, so right now we're moving forward with the $400 million that we currently have. We, we do know that building a stadium of such size with some of the amenities that we're going to be asking for is going to be much more than that. And so there is going to have to be a level of private subsidy that is going to be a part of uh, building the stadium. And so uh, there is going to... So the private developer is going to have the opportunity, which is why this is a design-build 
construction project where we want them to ha use their innovation to tell us what they can build, what they can afford, and in what way. Uh, so if they want to offer something that's more than 25,000 seats, they want to offer other kinds of amenities that are above the minimum requirements, then they're going to score more points, which makes their proposals far more attractive uh, and, and makes them, you know, maybe potentially winning this, this solicitation. So we do, we do hope that many of our proposals are going to be taking, uh, you know, what we put forward as our minimum requirements and through some of the discussions that we've had and some of our desires, using that to make their proposals much more attractive than just the minimum that we're asking for. Even though the minimum, we believe, is still going to be a stadium that all of us are going to be proud in. We, and, and we will work with the developer teams on their financial proposals as well. Um, and their revenues are going to come from a variety of sources, right? This is, again, this is a design, build, operate, maintain. So they are responsible for not just operating the stadium, but maintaining it over the 20 or 30 year life of, of this relationship, right? And so uh, they're going to be able to retain all of the revenues other than what is carved out, you know, for, for some of the special events like the University of Hawaii uh, high school activities where they're not going to be able to generate revenue. But concerts and other kinds of, of, of venues and events, they're going to be able to generate the revenue, keep the revenue, and pay for uh, their private capital that they're going to have to invest in in the initial upfront um, uh, building uh, stadium construction. There's going to be operating costs. There are going to be maintenance costs. So all those operational revenues will go to that. They're also going to be required to develop the areas in a multi-use aspect. So they're going to be able to do hotels, retail, office, commercial, as well as residential. Uh, we do believe that there are significant amounts of, of revenue opportunities in all those different areas, uh, including residential, because they will have, have the ability to do some level of capacity in market, um, market level housings. But also, the fact that this area is designated as an opportunity zone is clearly an advantage to a, to a business to invest in uh, creating economic development, economic activity in the area, creating jobs, well-paying jobs in the area. Uh, and and those, are the, those are the kinds of things that we are very optimistic on that is going to attract the kind of tenants and partners uh, to come to this uh, nascent area. Um, how, what's the process going to be for, one, making the final decisions out of these various proposals, two, holding the developer speak to the buyer on doing what they say, and also making sure that all those decisions are in the best interest of the state of Sure. As with any state procurement, um, especially one that is a design build type or best value or request for proposal type, we have a selection committee uh, that is responsible for evaluating proposals. They will be the ones tasked with making that decision and recommendation moving forward. Um, they, we are also able to supplement this committee with subject matter experts, whether in real estate, finance. Um, UH has been at the table uh, to to discuss what should be in the in the requirements for the proposal. Um, at the end of the day. I think all of us have the same interest in getting something that we are all going to be happy with, right? We, we all have memories of the Aloha Stadium back in the day, right? I mean, we either played high school football, we went to UH football games running up the stairwells during, during, um, during the halftime, going to an Islander game or whatever it is, right? And that's the kind of thing that all of us who are participating in this, all those who have participated in the past, 
that's what we want for our kids or our grandkids, right, once it's built. And, and that's, this is even more so now that this is a entertainment district, a much more of a community-driven uh, development where the community actually has been very much involved in the planning of, of what's going into the development. Uh, and so I think we all have a vested interest in, in ensuring that what is, what is selected, the team that's selected, is also going to have skin in the game and has the right uh, interest in uh, what is in the best interest of this community and for the state. So I'm very confident that the, the people who are tasked with this is going to do the right job and do the right things. Uh, but at the end of the day, on the long term, that's going to fall on the stadium authority, on the administration, on the legislature to ensure that whoever is being, who is, whoever is responsible with this contract over the next 99 years, right, because that's the length of the real estate development, uh, that uh, that we will be holding them uh, accountable and responsible to doing what they say that they're going to do and what we would like them to do. Stadium Authority will be the direct overseer of this contract, yes. And then has a demolition date been set for the current stadium? The demolition will occur, and you know, and we get this question all the time: Why aren't we demolishing the stadium now, uh, before? Um, and and really, it comes down to a cost management and a risk management for the state. We're we're trying to be very sensitive and save money for the state and taxpayers because it's all our portion, 350 million or the $400 million of state funds, that's all taxpayer dollars. And we want to ensure that we are not going to be spending as much of it on other things other than building the stadium. If we were to, we could go out with a de demolition contract right now, have someone demolish it, but if they demolish it in a manner that is not ideal to the way that the builder wants to build it, we ultimately could be paying 10 to $20 million more for construction. So if you let the builder demolish it the way that they want to envision the build, to build it, it's going to save taxpayers money. And that's the, one, that's the primary reason. It's really risk management and cost management for the state. Uh, and, and, that, and, you know, it's unfortunate that we still have to have that stadium as a reminder that it's just sitting there unused. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully people uh, understand that we're trying to save them money. There you go, everybody. The answer to the question that you've all been waiting for. Why is the stadium, the current stadium, not being torn down? So cost management, management, risk management, which I think it makes a lot of sense. However, you guys are very, very brutal. <laughs> you guys entertained me yesterday when we posted that clip on our social media and all of the comments that came through. You guys are brutal, man, but it, it's I get it. Trust me, I get it. We've been very vocal on this show as well about how annoying it is with decisions that are made and not being proactive and waiting this long when they should have been planning this like 10 years ago so that they were ready to do everything when it should have been done. Uh, but I, I thought that was a fair answer. Again, that was Brendan Morioka, Aloha Stadium Authority Chair and Prior to that, you heard a little bit uh, current UH President David Lassner, who he said during his uh, little segment there that he technically won't be the president by the time the new stadium is built. But he you know, wishes, obviously, the university and every the state the best. All right. But we got to step aside. So we will be right back to talk a little bit more about everything that is this NASA project on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautiful 
beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. Happy holidays and happy Aloha Friday from Kule Agbayani and Paul Brett on the on the Aloha Stadium Network. I was like, there's so many things jumbled up in my head. <laughs> the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. I was going to say something, but I don't want to get blocked by any more senators today. Oh my today. gosh. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. A little Friday block party. Here we go. <laughs> so it's too late. It already happened. Uh, oh, anyways, so before the break, we heard a good portion. That's probably a good chunk. The meats and potatoes, about half of the full press conference. Also in that press conference was Governor Josh Green, was Senator Glenn Wakai, <laughs> and a few more questions that got asked. But I feel like that's the gist of the information Again, that was majority of that was Brendan Morioka, the Aloha Stadium Authority Chair, and current UH President David Lassner. So, um, just kind of the gist, as he mentioned, some of the the topics like the three bidders who were in the last round. Apparently, they're still interested. Uh, the only fixed requirement of the stadium is that it needs to be done. Again, that's a big thing for the state that it needs to be done by August 26, 2028 for Hawaii's football opener versus Kansas. As Morioka said during that as well, you know, preferably the stadium will be open earlier in the year and host a couple of events, maybe small concerts before that first football game in order to get the operational kinks out. I understand that and hope that will happen as well. The demolition will be strictly the responsibility of the developer because they can, I guess, take it down how they want to, preserve things that they want to, and hope for the redevelopment process to go accordingly. Um, he also mentions like the makeup of the stadium authority moving forward would likely change, adding on different members with different backgrounds. Uh, but they will so far have committed to the D-bomb design, build, operate, and manage a plan for this developer to come in and do all of that things. Again, the $400 million-ish of the state funds reserved for the Aloha Stadium. A lot more to that interview. Hawaii News Now has the full thing on their Facebook. Uh, if you don't want to watch anything, Paul Brecht did a entire bullet point recap of everything that was you said. You don't want to watch, I did. <laughs> he did all the hard work for you. You can go to hawaiisportsradio.com and it's like the first thing there. Or if you go on tomorrow, you can click on the Hawaii or local sports tab and it'll be... It on that page so you guys can see all the gist of not only what you guys heard but also some of the other things that were said again by the governor and senator glenn wakai so uh that's pretty much the update so far everyone seems very very positive that it will be done by that first football game in 2028 positive paul and i are still in agreement and still having Hope that it will be done by then. I'm sure our Michael Lescaro and Alan Mia will kindly disagree and we'll still have the over on the bet, on the just for fun bet that we have going on over here. And that's fine. So we'll see some of, I think the interesting thing, however, that I like, you know, kind of, so Brendan Morioka was saying from a business standpoint, he feels like a lot of developers or private parties will be interested because they essentially have the rest of the land around the Aloha Stadium to develop for either hotels. Affordable housing does have to be one of the other requirements via the governor to be included in the plan. But the stadium goes first. So the stadium is supposed to be built first by 2028. As we heard, what was that last week? The entire entertainment district is projected to be 
completely complete in 20 years. We'll see. But <laughs> <laughs> the entire project. But the stadium goes first on 2028 and then everything gets developed after that. <sighs> so I kind of like had discussions with some people in the business world and they in their personal opinion they feel like there isn't going to be a developer out there that will take this project because it's it does it even though it seems like a lot of money that the state is allocating and essentially giving to the developer to use to start with the project obviously Hawaii is very very expensive to even begin to build a stadium let alone an entire district so we're gonna have to look at someone like someone where really or a company really really wealthy because for the most part at least the initial return on investment and this is just the stadium itself again Brendan Morioka said the way that the developer will make back their money is by hosting these bigger events because they essentially get to keep all the tickets. The deal with the University of Hawaii will be its own separate deal in terms of revenue split. But for the most part, it seems like some of the business people that I've spoken to aren't exactly confident that a developer will come in and look at this as Brandon Morioka built it up to be like oh yeah anybody would want this project because they can just make back all their money so but that doesn't seem to be the case and this is only like a couple of people that I very very much respect their opinion in this real estate business aspects so you know two versus how like there's probably is someone out there but for the most part I think that's my realistic side coming into play where it seemed great at first like oh yeah anybody would want to come and they can just make back their money because they can develop all of this stuff but when you really think about it if it's being done in five years and essentially that money that's allocated from the state is going to be like chump change to how much a developer has to put into this stadium and then plan to try to make back their money because they need to make back more money to develop the rest of the the acres around the stadium I don't I think we need to be a little more reserved and conservative about just how many developers out there are just going to be like jumping at the opportunity to develop the stadium. And that's the part that's scary because they're projected that everything's going to be done by next year. Like in terms of the development, it like by the middle of 2025, the plan is going to be in place. The developer shows everything's going to do they're going to break ground in 2025. But if you can't find a lot of takers and then the takers that you do have are like, hey, this is what's realistic for us and makes business sense for us. And the state side protecting our side will be like, well, no, because you you have to do this. This is what's the option. Well, then sorry. Like, so that's the part that I am concerned about is that they're being a little too optimistic on just any developer that is like jumping at the chops to do this. Because, yeah, that's the bottom line. They need to make back their money and make money on top of that. If they look at this and they're like, yeah, no, this just isn't realistic for us. That's the part that I'm a little scared of. So it's tough, right? There are so many things that go into it. And like you said, speaking to business people and people you respect immensely within that that field, we'll call it, I have found that a lot of my business friends are pessimistic when it comes to 
long-term investments just because they are worried about loss. And that is totally understandable because if you go and you listen to or you go and read the the recap, you'll see some of the numbers that they put out there. And something that stuck out to me was $2 billion in like construction type of stuff, $600 million to workers themselves. And then you sit here and you think about what they said that they have allocated from the state, and that's $400 million, right? That is one-fifth of what they expect for that $2 billion for those who want to do quick maths or don't want to do quick maths, I guess. <laughs> but in, in that sense, yeah, you're talking about $1.6 billion that has to come from the private sector, from the developer, from all of these. And that that's understandable to be like, well, who's going to take that deficit on understanding, well, what, what are we going to do? They did also talk about it a little bit. Co or, I almost said coach. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm, I got sports on the brain so much. Governor Josh Green talked a bit about the, the federal tax breaks that will come with entertainment districts and how those can help out in the increasing the, uh, we'll, we'll call it, just increasing how attractive it is to take on this project because they were very upfront during this presser, I will be honest. They talked about whoever does end up winning this bid needs to understand that there is a good chance that they will be operating, you know, there are financial hardships that they are going to have to operate through and navigate. But with that said, I don't necessarily think it needs to be a pessimistic outlook either because I, I did listen and I watched and thought to myself where I felt pretty good about mm -hmm. 2028 for the stadium. It's the entertainment district surrounding it that matters so much, I think, because the stadium itself, and, and this is something that I think about a lot because MetLife Stadium, where the New York Jets play, has been so in the news because of the amount of injuries in the NFL, right? But MetLife Stadium isn't just an NFL football site. Mm -hmm. It's a place where they have concerts and it's a place where they put on so many shows week in and week out. And I think of it like that, where if the new Aloha Stadium can become that type of district, that type of entertainment mecca, we'll call it, that's where you see people making their money back. I saw someone actually bring up a pretty good question. Can they win the NFL Pro Bowl back? Can they bring that back? But see, and then that's and where that's, the capacity and, gets scary. Right. And that's where the question comes. And they did talk about it. 25K is the minimum. They are very open to any developer who says that we can do more. And it really ends up, in my opinion, it, it is going to end up coming towards who is willing to take a chance and who is confident enough in their development team plan, so on and so forth, that, yeah, they can do what the state is asking, yeah, they can do it what Hawaii is asking, but also they believe that it makes good business sense for them. And it takes a confident business person, a confident business developer and group to do that. Like you said, there are a couple of sides to it where you totally understand why the pessimism is there with people and a 2028 yeah. date just feels and this is possible but not 
probably. <laughs> Unlike a lot of the comments that have been on this one post, my I guess pessimism or realism, I'm just going to is comes from the part of the investor. And again, when the stadium needs to be the first thing that goes up, minimum 25,000. But even if you're trying to attract like bigger concerts, right? Like like a MetLife or something. Those are huma or the Pro Bowl. Those like you need a 50,000 80,000. Yeah. At minimum 50. Like that's the Pro Bowl. That's the NFL preseason game that we had. That's the Aloha Stadium. That's why it was minimum was a 50,000 50,000 seat stadium. You know, Bruno Mars and the concert thing. And if you're if a developer for the stadium is looking at it like, "All right, yeah, you said 25,000 and like Paul said and they said during the press conference, 25,000 is the minimum. If the developer comes in with the plan to build more seats and a roof, like shade and stuff, they will essentially get brownie points and get closer to their uh, proposal being chosen. So if you go from 25,000 and you double the seating to like 50,000, then that's going to cost that developer a lot more because all of the excess cost, basically the state, which is fair, like I get it, that's awesome for us that we don't want to see a rail situation where it runs over budget and then we're, we're like left with the bill. So they're telling these developers that this is all you get. This is what we're offering. You got to cover the rest to how Paul said, just a fifth of, you know, all the costs that they have to do. So that cost starts going up if you think, all right, we need to make the stadium bigger so we can attract bigger audiences. Because if you're asking a big, you know, artist to come in and you're only like, oh, 25,000 seats because the artist wants to make money and the stadium wants to make money. And then 25,000 with the travel costs, production costs of whoever the talent is. And you still limit yourself like Taylor Swift is not going to come here <laughs> because it's not big enough. Basically, that's what I'm saying. Like these big acts will not come uh, because it's just not what they are used to, to putting curious. on your Beyonce, all of those really bit. Maybe I don't even know any male artists that are going so, up right now. Is that true, though? Because Hawaii is a hard enough place to get to as it is. You know, it's expensive to get out here and, and whatnot. I wonder if bigger artists would do those semi-smaller shows out here considering it being a luxury show, give or take. But also, in that sense, it's it's good for the people of Hawaii where they are able to go to those bigger concerts. Once again, I'm just spitballing here yeah. and whatever. But it, it's just, you. I think the conversation starts where 25K minimum is like, bare minimum i say, i mean i'll i'll say this i went to a division three college if you're a listener avid listener to this show you know this and i've talked about it as an ad nauseum my one of my final years in college 2019 we set the division three football attendance record with forty six thousand people attending the cortica jug at metlife stadium forty six thousand people for a division three game and I'll be honest, my, my colleges, they're very passionate people. <laughs> but you're telling me Hawaii football isn't that passionate? That you, you have doubts that they can fill that? That's not the case. So the developers, they can see that part of it, but they need, they need the... But again, right. that's, that revenue is split with UH. Well, and, and that's where that's it comes, only, right? That's what, seven games? Like, that is not even going to chip away at anything money <laughs> so and that's kind of i'm glad you brought that up because that's kind of where i was trying to get to and i was stumbling where it's like if you're the developer that's where your your pause is is like okay well hawaii the university of hawaii is going to make this you know and the biggest 
events that you can think of a lot of times at that stadium, probably the, the revenue will go to the University of Hawaii or you got to split it with HHSS or HHSAA uh, and so on and so forth with those sporting events where, okay, the, building up those those interests, I don't know, the business. It's more of a charity. <laughs> yeah, uh, the business side of things. Like I said before, you need an extremely confident developer in business person who is like, yeah, we know that we're going to operate at a loss over these first couple of years, but I'm so confident that my team can get this stadium up at such a quick pace that my team can, you know, get this stadium and the development around it up at such a quick pace that we're going to start making that money back tenfold quickly. Like, it, it, that's what it's going to yeah. take. I echo our Kyle Galdera, and he said they should just, you build it not even thinking about UH football. You go and you build like a fifty to seventy thousand seat Just stadium for the purpose of, of the big concerts stadium. to attract big concerts to attract big sporting events because that is what you're essentially going to make back your money or come close to making back your money. Again, the UH football. I know it's we're passionate about it, but it's essentially for the bottom line. It's essentially charity for whoever's trying to come in and make their money back, but. Anywho, this will definitely be a conversation for the next five years, obviously. <laughs> Hopefully it'll get built while you're still here, Paul. We'll see what That's happens. That's my thing. I'm just like, I want to I see these games at, at Aloha Stadium. I don't want to have to fly back. I know. Whatever. I want to be here and see it. And the people, the people here deserve to be able to see it. Like yes. that's, that's the truth of it all is since 2019... Not only have the players, both at the high school and college level, had to play, have to play at TC Ching, which is a very nice complex in itself, but it's not befit of a oh, yeah. team and of a state that loves the sport of football as much as Hawaii. Yeah. They, it needs to get done. So hopefully, it's something that they're not just giving us eyewash yesterday yeah. hopefully it is a thing where <laughs> but the going fans forward, think it's... they're giving us eyewash you guys yeah. you guys are bleeping brutal man on social media <laughs> yeah. like you got like people saying <laughs> just a bunch of clowns <laughs> i was just driving past the other day by on the other hand it's wasting time to wait for the builder time equals money is what one person said uh someone said baloney <laughs> cut the excuse and just knock the freaking thing down <laughs> Honestly, this guy sounds like he's talking out of his okole. Another word was used, though. Um, <laughs> we, you we guys keep make me chuckle. PG You're so funny. Uh, we wait. Oh, this is another one. I get it, Hawaii. Someone is like, we're waiting until his brother's LLC finalizes in Wyoming. Uh, that emoji that's like the tongue sticking out with the winky face. So let me get this again. I'm quoting right now. So let me get this right because my deaf eye couldn't smell the BS he was saying. (laughs) I've never heard that before. (laughs) My deaf eye couldn't smell. (laughs) Oh, and this person says Kalihi. (laughs) The builders or contractors need to break it down the way they want to. So they can build it the way they want to, question mark. That's the corniest bleep I've ever, I've heard ever. Okay, carry on. (laughs) I'm going to have to steal that. My deaf eye couldn't smell. (laughs) That's like from, uh, was it Wedding Crashers? I always say that from time to time. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. (laughs) That reminds me of that. (sighs) My deaf eye couldn't smell the BS. 
<laughs> this okay, couple more guys. This is we're just gonna have some chuckles on this Aloha Friday before we switch it up. Uh, and then the same, you know, too many crooked politicians. That's what we hear. I get it. It's just we're we're tired of the same old. I think it was very fair to everything that was said and all the information that was given. Don't get it twisted. I do. You know, just kind of throwing different perspectives out there. But for the most part, I encourage you guys to either watch it or go to HawaiiSportsRadio.com and see Paul's breakdown of everything that was said uh, to kind of, yeah, form your own opinions. But until then, you guys you guys should check out the comments on our social media because it's hilarious. But you guys and you make, should drop a comment, too. Yeah, you guys make me laugh. All right. On that note, we got to uh, step aside and we'll be back to talk about University of Hawaii football and see if anything else came down in the social media verse that's breaking news yet. We'll be right back on Wake Up in the Den. That's funny. I never got your list. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. <laughs> oh, Santa. Any guesses to what that song is called? Or this song, I guess. <laughs> if you do, text us. 808-888-KGU1. <laughs> Drunk Santa. <laughs> I love it. DJ oh. Pauly B out here. I can't yes. let you uh, not get that part of it. Enjoy enjoy the eggnog, everybody, just like Santa, responsibly, of course. Uh, stay safe out there, but have fun on this holiday season. Like, we're having fun in the studio talking about your comments, but we got to stick to or switch gears to some of the uh, better things that came through the pipe. As we mentioned to start off the show, one of the newest verbal commits for the University of Hawaii football program, Alvin Puefua, defensive tackle slash offensive tackle, 6'4", 320 pounds, baby, uh, from West High School in Utah. Woo! Hopefully he signs on the dotted line, though, next week Wednesday, as we have seen some flipping of commitments. So, all right. Okay, before we run out of time, got to tell you guys about all the, uh, what do you call it? Conspiracy theories out there on social media right now. Okay, <laughs> so, talked about it yesterday. Recap, you know, uh, the Bishop Gorman guys, Devon Rice, athlete slash running back, Announces his commitment to Kansas State instead. He's 100% committed. Paul actually makes a good note about that in that most times these kids will announce their decommitment from wherever they committed to before. So technically, as Paul put it, he's committed to two places because he never announced his decommitment from the University of Hawaii. But the, We will see you <laughs> soon. <Devon. Okay. laughs> but the size that he is, it makes sense because, and you can tell by the recruiting that Hawaii has been doing, they've been going after a lot of running backs, uh, got some size. They needed a big back. And also Tylen Hines, who matches the similar type of profile of a Devon Rice, is returning next season. And he had that red shirt. So from Devon's standpoint, it makes sense. You know, you go to Kansas State, obviously a bigger school as well. But... They kind of put an inkling as, as to what is going to happen with Micah Alejado, quarterback out of Bishop Gorman as well, 5'10", 170 pounds. He changed his, retweeted that UNLV thing, changed his uh, bio on Twitter from QB at Hoy Football to nothing. And so that was that yesterday. And then yesterday afternoon, you start seeing... I would thank Warrior All Access for this because Warrior All Access really is All Access. So I encourage you guys to follow them and check out their website at warrioralaccess.com. 
they put out an interesting um, tweet or retweet of their own tweet. <laughs> so maybe like in November, they had tweeted a picture of Timmy Chang and Braden Shager saying unfinished business. And we all know what happened last week. Braden announces he's entering the transfer portal. And then that is that. <laughs> then Warrior All Access retweets that unfinished business tweet yesterday with the little like eye raise emoji. And if that isn't cryptic, I don't know what is. And then you start seeing other things about, okay, does this mean Braden Shager changed his mind again? Kids, stop doing this to Auntie. I cannot handle this emotional roller coaster already that you are doing to us and all of our fans. <laughs> just, I go back to what I keep saying the last couple of weeks. Just don't say anything until you are 100% sure of what you're doing. People might pressure you to commit and announce it and do all the social media thing. Just chill. Like, just do it when you're ready and announce when you're ready because then you just, it just looks all funny kind for lack of a better term because that's like the best thing that I can use to describe this situation that's going on in University of Hawaii football. But I know Paul had some, I guess, inklings of other commits that we could potentially see. So, yeah, it's been a fun few hours right where or hours I say few days where leading up to this early signing period the coaching staff continuing to put in a, a lot of effort on the recruiting trails official visits coming on in we saw is it Dino Dino I don't know Jarvis out. either way he's going to be putting up touchdowns next to Pafele next year and for the years beyond he finally put up his graphic you mentioned Alvin Puefa or Puefua. Uh, he's we so cool. We've talked about it uh, ad nauseum on this show, right? Where the one thing we really wanted to see in this off season for UH was a commitment to adding in the trenches on both sides, the defensive and offensive line, and that's really what we have seen. Where it's that D line yesterday, six four three twenty, a three star recruit. That's a good grab. He had offers from seven schools, but who one of which the one being you're, Miami. You're I'm still of. looking for this. So for everyone who keeps along on social media, right, we, we've talked about our friend Coach Chef who tweets out, and another one <laughs> for the good, right, every time that they get a commit. But then you have Coach from the Rock, right? Coach from the Rock, who always... Is uh, that Keiki? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah. Coach Keiki. Who is Missy your... Pekka who's your domestic and international recruiting. So he was very excited tweeting out about Puefua. And then after that tweeted out and another one. And to this point, that has still not been announced. Despite my sleuthing through Twitter, I have gotten other people onto this. I swear to God, I'm looking for you guys. (laughs) But nobody is nobody's putting me on quite yet. But that being said, they did have four official visits and yeah. a lot of them coming in the trenches. Uh, one of them, Dion Washington as well from Nevada, made, or made his official visit this week as well. He is not committed. I don't want to report that. But that's somebody else who keep an eye out on there. Once again, talking about adding big boys in the trenches, both on the offensive and defensive line. Even before that, you saw a couple of offensive line commits come on through. And tell you what, this this coaching staff, 
did a really nice job self-scouting and being like, all right, where are the holes on this team right now? Because not only have they done it in the trenches, they've also gotten some big boy running backs as mm-hmm. well. Because we talk about Rice's decommitment and uh, uh, going to uh, Kansas State and happy for him if he yeah. feels as though that is going to be a better decision for him. That is what he should do always. He talked a little bit about being a running back only and we've we've talked all the time about being kind of a slot back running back type of combo in this run and shoot offense. Now, well, Satani Mikaele and Christian Vaughn, all of these bigger backs, you can start to see an identity form for UH football's recruiting. So I don't know, but I'm trying to figure out who this mystery commit is from last night. And speaking of the line as well, we never talked about the gray shirts yet at all this week. So basically, that's, oh, true. Yeah, that's basically gray shirts are they just forego enrolling in classes. So they didn't enroll in classes this past fall and will enroll this coming year. Uh, but you have names like Hale Dela Cruz, defensive lineman, 6'3, 217. Uh, Isaac Maugaleo, 6'7, 320 pound lineman. So those are a couple of big boys that we have not seen and they gray shirted. So. It's going to be really, really exciting, you guys, and it's nice to see commitments come in despite all of the craziness that's going on in the NIL world because, again, hopefully we can find some scholarships and NIL money for these guys. But if if you only are focused about the NIL money and college football, at the end of the day, like maybe we just don't want you here because I always say Hawaii is very, very special and your heart has to be here regardless. But we got to go. Have a great weekend. For Paul, I'm Kule. Bye.